Welcome to another edition of the Stephen Hayes Show. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you're a returning listener, appreciate you for listening. And as always, I hope you enjoyed your weekend. I hope you set out, you and accomplished whatever it is that you wanted to do, whether that was doing some yard work, going out on a date night, taking care of some work at the office, or simply sitting down on your butt doing nothing. Hope you were able to get that accomplished. And as always, hope you were able to spend some quality time with family and friends. Now, let's get down to business. We got a lot to talk about, a lot to get into. I am excited because we have some Hoss Awards to give out. We had some dominant performances. We'll get into that later. But all in all, let's start it with, we're going to kind of go in reverse here. So got to talk about the Detroit Lions. As I said, the Detroit Lions would be fine. They'll get back on track. And they did just that, taking care of the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday Night Football, beating them with a score of 26 to 14. Jared Goff, he threw the ball 37 times, which I'm okay with. I kind of like him more around 32 but it is what it is. I'm okay with that. He threw a pick that I was so mad at because I had it, but I didn't put it out because I couldn't get the content out before the game. And I said, I had it recorded that golf needed to be careful with Marcus Peters because Marcus Peters plays off receivers and he'll bait you into making you think you have a pass when you really don't. And lo and hold, Marcus Peters scores a pick six because he baited golf into a throw. I don't even know what golf saw there, but nevertheless, good job by Marcus Peters. But it's kind of null and void now because I didn't put it out before. So I just kind of scrapped the content. But had I put it out, I'd have been sitting there like, look what I tell you. But whatever. But that's not the story of the night. The Lions defense, man, and Gibbs, running back Jamar Gibbs, they did their thing. The defense really got after the quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo had a rough night. 10 for 21, 126 yards. Of course, no touchdown, one interception. It was truly a rough night, and they have a lot of questions to answer moving forward, but hopefully they do figure it out. And again, if you're the Lions, this is what you needed. A home game to get back on track, do your thing. Now you're sitting at 6-2. and two. Again, I knew they would be fine. They had to get the bad taste out their mouth of losing that game against the Baltimore Ravens. That's over with. That's done. There's still going to be some tough roads ahead. They're still going to have some tough times and they're still going to do some things that's going to scratch your head. I do not like the play calling necessarily when it's down to the goal line. I know Dan Campbell wants to be a run first in that goal line set, but you got to throw the football. Like the Raiders was getting after the running backs all night. You know, when they got down to the first and goal, it was very tough to score with just sitting there running the football because everybody knew what was coming. With Montgomery, I think you do it, but I think they tried to keep the same game plan with Gibbs, and it's not the same. You got to bounce Gibbs to the outside. That's his bread and butter. That's what he likes to do. Now, he can get through, but because the Raiders knew what was coming, they could stop it all night. But with Gibbs, Gibbs and Montgomery are two totally different running backs. So you have to use them as such. That was the only thing that I really didn't like. It was a little questionable to me as far as that play calling when it came down to the goal line. But other than that, I think they're fine. Now, we go back and revisit where the Lions sit and where everybody stands. Now they're six and two. Lions are six and two, still a top five team in the league. I said it. Philadelphia seven and one. Lions are six and two. Kansas City Chiefs are up there. I said it before and I'll say it again with all due respect. Kansas City Chiefs is one of the ugliest six and two teams I have ever seen. I don't think they have a game yet where they've showcased what they can do. They do need a receiver. And I want to clarify with listening to this, that this is recorded pre 
trade deadline. So if there is something coming out, I'll break that later. But the Lions sitting, they're sitting good. They're sitting good. Still a top five team. The Chiefs, that six and two is not legit to me. <laughs> I'm just going to be real here. It's not legit, you know, but we'll see what happens and how they play things out. But again, it's a heavy dosage of Travis Kelsey, right? One of the last episodes I gave Travis Kelsey a Hoss Award because he had 12 receptions for 179 yards, and that's a, a tight end doing that. So heavy usage of Travis Kelsey, of course, Patrick Mahomes, but that run game, you know, and those other wide receivers, Chiefs need help on that side of the football. And you expect them to get better as the season goes on. That's why I don't like overreacting too much. Now we're eight games in, you can kind of see where teams are. In my personal opinion, by week 10, Teams' identities are fully set. The reason I give Week 10 is because some games you're going to have on your schedule, you're going to look at as a bye week, but it's not a bye week. And then you'll have some tough roles ahead. You know, no disrespect, but if you play like a Carolina Panthers who won their first game, if you're playing a team like that and if you're not careful, they'll beat you. And that kind of shakes things up. Now, again, Kansas City Chiefs are not a pretty 6-2. and two. The Miami Dolphins, 6-2. and two. Not a pretty 6-2. and two. I look at who the Dolphins lost to. So the Dolphins lost. They got Molly Watt by the Bills. And then they were in a back and forth for a minute with the Eagles. But then the Eagles took care of business, did what they had to do. I don't know. The Dolphins were getting Jalen Ramsey back. That bolstered that secondary tremendously. I don't know if the Dolphins have what you would call the recipe for success. I've been saying it. I really like the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars will be competing in the AFC for a while with Trevor Lawrence as the quarterback. The Bengals, even though the Bengals sit at the bottom of their division four and three, they're finding their rhythm, which is not good for the rest of the league. I said it from the jump. I expect the Bengals to be competing for an AFC championship at minimum this year. I'm not going to go back on that. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I'm standing on it. You still got the Ravens again. The Ravens putting some stuff together. They're 6-2, and two, but I'm not sure where they're officially placed when it's all said and done. We'll see what these next two games look like for them. But they are good. You have Lamar Jackson. You have the weapons with Andrews. And you have some things that set up. Now, you get into a situation right now. So let's just take the AFC North. So the AFC North has the Ravens at 6-2, the Pittsburgh Steelers at 4-3, the Cleveland Browns at 4-3, which you might have to watch out for. And then you have the Bengals sitting at 4-3 at the bottom of that division. That is not necessarily how that division will play out. I do think it'll be between the Bengals and the Ravens, but I think the Bengals might have a little bit edge over the Ravens and they'll sit atop the division when it's all said and done. That's just my personal opinion. And then when you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're sitting at six and two. Every other team is three and four or three and five in their division. So then you take it to Miami where Miami's six and two, Buffalo's five and three, the Jets are four and three. New England's two and six. We know New England's not doing anything, but we know the Bills can turn it up, you know, at any given moment. And again, you got Zach Wilson. Everybody thought they would be dead in the water by now. And we'll get into that a little later. But I have some thoughts about Zach Wilson and the New York Jets and what is to come if they so happen to make the playoffs. But we'll get into that later. And then you have the Kansas City Chiefs, AFC West. Kansas City Chiefs sitting at six and two. Again, it's not a pretty six and two to me. But you have the Los Angeles Chargers, who really pissed me off because the Los Angeles Chargers are a talented football team. 
They really are. I always question the offensive play calling. The studs that you have on defense on that side of the football, Herbert, Keenan Allen, the running back, like, I don't know, man. I don't know what they have to do to put it together, but I was expecting more of them. And again, I didn't expect them to be sitting where they are right now, but we'll see what happens. But again, you have the Raiders at three and five and you have Broncos at three and five. Now, the Broncos have not been good this year. We know this. But again, the Broncos beat the Chiefs. Now, everybody said that Patrick Mahomes was sick, whatever the case may be. Okay. But again, even when they played the Broncos the first game, they struggled against the Broncos. That's why I don't personally feel the Chiefs are legit six and two. But time will tell. And again, over these next two weeks, I'll give the Chiefs the next two weeks to see what's going on and see where their identity is. I'm not saying they won't make the playoffs. They'll make the playoffs. But we'll just see what happens and where they fall. Again, reminder, this is recorded pre-NFL trade deadline. I would love to see the Chiefs get Devontae Adams, and that completely changes the trajectory of what they're doing. That That is unfair, but we'll see what happens. So then when you get to the NFC, you got the NFC East, you got the Eagles sitting atop with 7-1, and one. then you have the Cowboys at 5-2, and two, the Commanders at 3-5, and five, and the New York Giants at 2-6. and six. Eagles are doing what I predicted them to do. They're also finding their rhythm, and they're kind of getting into their comfort zone. They'll be competing for the NFC Championship at minimum, in my personal opinion, and I stand on that as well. I'm not sure who the team they'll play against, but I do expect them to be there. Cowboys at 5-2. and two. Understandably, a 5-2 and two team. The 43-20 win over the Rams, I respect, but it wasn't necessarily impressive. I mean, they did what they had to do. So, you know, much props to the Cowboys. But again, it is the Rams. I'm not trying to make excuses like that, but I'm just saying it is the Rams. So if you look at their level of opponents, they beat Dallas in game one, 40 to nothing. Then they beat the Jets 30 to 10. Then they lost to Arizona. Then they beat New England 38 to 3. Lost to Arizona 28-16. Then lost to San Francisco 42-10. Beat the Chargers 2017. Then beat the Rams. You know, we got to see. So now you got some division games coming up. You got Philly that you got to play, then you got the Giants, and then you got Carolina, which you should get a dub, and then you got Washington. So you're going to have a tough out. You got Philly within the next six games, twice. You got Philly twice in the next six games. That's going to be tough on them. How they come out of that schedule is going to show who they are, where they'll place in the playoffs. But all in all, no disrespect, but we'll kind of (laughs) brush over the NFC South. I don't feel nobody in the South is really making any noise in the NFC but then you got the NFC West. You got the Seattle Seahawks sitting at five and two. You got the San Francisco 49ers sitting at five and three. Then you got the Rams sitting at three and five. And then you got the Cardinals sitting at one and seven. All right, cool. The 49ers is such a big blow up when, product, when Brock Purdy does not play well. And I don't know why, because Brock Purdy is who I thought Brock Purdy was. It was a lot of talks in the beginning of the, game, of the season talking about MVP status and all that. And I'm like, no, nah, man, you know, chill. It's no disrespect to Brock Purdy, but I don't think Brock Purdy is that type of quarterback. And if the 49ers are forcing him to be that type of quarterback, they're going to be in trouble with that. But if you are understanding of what you have as a quarterback in Brock Purdy, he is a talented quarterback. But if you understand where his talents and his strengths are, that helps you. That gets you set and help you understand where you are, right? Again, if you look at it, It's not a surprising thing that Brock Purdy did not play well against the Bengals. It's one of those things where you have to just sit back and digest. I say this all the time. 
Jay Z said a line. My home strict told me, "Dude, finish your breakfast." Like, and that's what we're not doing with Brock Purdy. We're not finishing our breakfast with him. We're not seeing. We're just trying to skip to dinner and thinking he's a steak. He's not. Right now, he's oatmeal. If that makes sense. And oatmeal is nutritious. It's good for you. It sticks to your bones. It keeps you filled. You know, but it's not necessarily your first choice of the day when it comes to breakfast, unless you're on the older side. But he's oatmeal. Not saying he can't turn into a delicious steak or whatever you want to call it, but that's what I'm looking at. And I think if you understand what he is and play him as such, you have a better situation on your hands. Now, looking at the Lions, of course, Lions sit atop their division six and two. Then you have the Vikings four and four. Then you have the Packers two and five, Bears two and six. All right, we know the Packers and the Bears are not doing nothing. It's very unfortunate what happened for the Vikings with Kirk Cousins going down, tearing his Achilles. Man. That is rough. Hate to see it, especially with Kirk in the contract year. And then you hear a lot of people talk about Kirk Cousins, about how he sucks and all this. I'm not on that. I watched a documentary on Netflix. I forgot what it's called. I think it, it might be called Quarterback or something. But it was with him, Marcus Mariota, and Patrick Mahomes. And just watching that, had a newfound respect for Kirk Cousins. I like Kirk Cousins. I like what he does, what he represents. But you just hate to see it. You know, you just hate to see it. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what the Vikings do. There might be some talk about getting a quarterback, but we'll see what happens. We'll see how it plays out. Again, I don't know how they'll handle things, but I do know it's very unfortunate that you lose that man with eight games in, sitting at four and four, and they were just finding their foot and they were just starting to get back to their rhythm. That's where I'm at. I don't know how things will play out, but I want to circle back real quick to this Zach Wilson situation. So if you're the New York Jets, New York Jets are sitting at four and three. Everybody thought they would be done for by this time because they didn't have Aaron Rodgers. So the New York Jets' next five games, Chargers, Raiders, Bills, Dolphins, Falcons. If they can somehow come out of that five-game stretch, that changes everything for them because they'll be sitting at seven wins. They'll be sitting at five losses, but they'll be sitting at seven wins. There's a way with that defense that the Jets have there is a way that they get this done. So if you do creep into the playoffs on a wild card, and let's say you do this, let's say Aaron Rodgers does get healthy enough to come back just in time for the playoffs. Do you play him? Like, I'm serious because if I didn't got the offense comfortable with Zach Wilson, if I didn't got everything comfortable with Zach Wilson, do you really take that chance with him? With Aaron Rodgers, I'm saying. Do you really take that chance and just hand it back over to him when Zach Wilson got you there? That's a tough decision to make. It really is. And, I, and if they do creep into the playoffs, I hope they make the right decision. Obviously, Rodgers is on a timeline with his playing, but I just don't know if you bring him back, if he's able to come back off a torn Achilles. By the time the playoffs start, he would be 40. So we'll see. Shifting gears real quick, I want to get into something with the NBA. Reported by Woj, the Woj bomb, obviously. The... Los Angeles Clippers and the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, completed the trade to send James Harden to the Clippers. It had been talks for a while. They finally got it done. I don't know how I feel about it. You know, it's one of those interesting things. It was a long time coming, but the Clippers get James Harden, P.J. Tucker. Philadelphia gets Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum, Marcus Morris, Kenyon Martin Jr., which is a steal right there. Then they get a 2028 unprotected first-round pick, two second-round picks, and a 2029 pick swap. One additional first-round pick from a third team. The Sixers made out great, in my opinion, 
on this trade. That's just me. The Clippers is going to be interesting because you have Westbrook, you have Paul George, you have Kawhi. It's going to be interesting to see. Now you have Harden. So it's going to be interesting to see how they, they use that lineup. Tyrone Lewis is a very good coach. He's a hell of a coach. So we'll see how that plays out. But again, I just wanted to get into that real quick because it's interesting to me how they do things in the NBA when it comes to players not happy where they are. And this is Harden's fourth team since 2021. Rockets, Nets, Sixers, Clippers. So yeah, this is his fourth team since 2021. That is absolutely insane. So we'll see how that goes. But with that being said, we're going to end the show today with now, which is fastly becoming my favorite part of the show. It's time to give out some Hoss Awards. And I just want to make this statement real quick. Hoss Awards are not only going to go to like the NFL, the things we're going to get into some high school players, basketball and football. Like there's going to be a lot going on, uh, soccer, volleyball, whatever the case may be. We're going to give out multiple Hoss Awards in the in the coming weeks. But we're going to start our first Hoss Award goes to Jamar Gibbs, Detroit Lions. Jamar Gibbs had a hell of a game, played his tail off, got the start. Dan Campbell said a breakout game was coming, and he was right. Jamar Gibbs gets the first Hoss Award. He had a great game, 26 carries, 152 yards, one touchdown. He had five receptions for 37 yards. He did his thing. When David Montgomery comes back, they have a great one-two combination, and that's what you want, obviously. I remember when the Packers first got A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones combo together, and A.J. is the powerhouse, and Jones is more of the fast feet. Not flashy, but, you know, he's the speedster, and Dillon was the rugged. But what gives him Montgomery is the downhill, put your head down, bolsters his way through the lane, but you got Gibbs who can bounce to the outside. I just think it's a great combination, and that's why Gibbs gets the first Hoss Award. Second Hoss Award, oh, my goodness, goes to the Philadelphia Eagles, A.J. Brown. Now, I got some texts about not giving A.J. Brown a Hoss Award, and I mean, don't nobody want to hear no honorary mention or whatever. No, man, I apologize, but... A.J. Brown did his thing. Eight receptions, 130 yards, two touchdowns. A.J. Brown gets the second Hoss Award. And I believe he broke a record. He broke Calvin Johnson's record. Can't remember what the record was, but he did. I hate to say that without knowing what the record was. I got to find it. Finishing with eight catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns. Broke the tie since 1966. And then, of course, Calvin Johnson 2012 with the Lions that Calvin Johnson had. Calvin Johnson was the last receiver to do it. And now he sets the NFL record for most consecutive games with 125-plus receiving yards. He has six. That is absolutely insane. A.J. Brown has been balling out. Again, I apologize for people, you know, getting on me, mad at me because I didn't put him officially in my last Hoss Awards. But A.J. Brown, I just think A.J. Brown is a hell of a receiver. And I, when the Philadelphia Eagles got him, I really love that. I liked seeing him get out of Tennessee to showcase what he could really do and being with a quarterback who can get him the football and do his thing. Now, we got to give a Hoss Award to my man. We got to give a Hoss Award to my guy, Joe Burrow. Listen, man, Joe Burrow had a hell of a game. 28 for 32. I'm going to repeat them stats right there. 28 for 32, 283 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. He had a, a, a string of passes at one point, 19 straight he completed. Joe Burrow gets a Hoss Award. That is amazing stats. Joe Burrow did his thing. He really did. I feel like they're getting in their comfort zone. And I feel like they are 
getting to the level where they need to be. Of course, they're only four and three right now, but that record will change and they're getting comfortable. And once they get comfortable, you know, look out. Now, my next horse award is a two and one because they both had outstanding performances. I'm going to with the Dallas Cowboys, but I'm going Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb. Dak Prescott had 25 for 31, 304 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. CeeDee Lamb had 12 receptions, 158 yards, two touchdowns. Amazing performance. I can't knock that performance. I cannot. That was an amazing performance, and they did what they needed to do. And then finally, I'm going to end it with the three and one. Tua Tagovailoa, 30 for 45, 324 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Jalen Waddle, seven receptions, 121 yards, one touchdown. Tyreek Hill, eight receptions, 112 yards, one touchdown. Tyreek Hill is an amazing athlete. He's a great wide receiver, top of the top, cream of the crop. I don't know how you not put him at the top of your list as wide receivers right now. That speed is unmatched. He can do what he do. I, I, I love what the Dolphins have on the offensive side. I said it before. I'll say it again. I love that. But again, is it enough? Is it sustainable? They have to put together some wins. But right now, hey, give credit where credit is due. So let me run down my horse awards again. Jamar Gibbs for the Detroit Lions. A.J. Brown for the Philadelphia Eagles. Dak Prescott. C.D. Lamb for the for the Dallas Cowboys, Joe Burrow for the Cincinnati Bengals, and then you got Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Waddle, and Tyreek Hill. That's my horse awards for today. Appreciate you for listening. Appreciate everybody. Don't forget to, to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Everything that we got, more content is on the way. This is a Stephen Hayes show. I'm out. Thanks for listening, and don't forget. You can subscribe and catch all of our episodes from all of our podcasts right here on the TVS Network.